Welcome to the China Flexpad podcast. My name is Marianne, and I am French originally. I've been 14 years outside of France, so a flexpat for 14 years,、um, and I've been in Shanghai for the past six, seven years. It was my dream to come here. Usually, people ask me why, why Shanghai.、It、was my dream to come here for a very, very long time, and I've strategically put everything in place so that I could be promoted and transferred from my previous company to come to Shanghai to China. Now, what I'm doing is I have created a consultancy company called Intended, and we focus on people strategy. We don't really do recruitment. We're not a recruitment agency. We don't do payroll. Either we focus on people's engagement at work, basically happiness at work, at the service of performance for companies. The reason I'm here today to discuss with you is because I can share more on building、um, a service business in China, and maybe the hurdles, the obstacles, and the joys of、um, of that kind of entrepreneurial path. Marian, thank you so much for coming on the China Flexpad podcast. Why did you go into strategy consulting or strategy coaching in the first place? How did you qualify for it? I have worked as an engagement、uh, director or a happiness officer for about three years here in China. So I've had the opportunity to put into practice everything that I am passionate about. All the books that I read around corporate culture or even the success、uh, linked to culture in a company.、Uh, so for me, it was more of a step-by-step process. How do you get into it? I had no idea in the first place. My job at EF, no one had it. I was the only one amongst my friends to be working on employee engagement,、uh, internal communication, and、uh, employee happiness in general. It sounded really cool as a job,、um, but to be honest, it was also a lot of work because it was not like there was clear definition of that, what that would mean or what that was meaning back then. Um, that was about five years ago, and so、uh, step by step, I've realized: okay, how can I do things better for、uh, for myself and for others?、Uh, so I started with coaching. So I specialized in coaching first. I wanted to go in a niche market very, very quickly. I didn't want to be a general coach because I felt there was a lot of、uh, competition there, and I really wanted to specialize in one specific tool, which is called the Clifton Strength. It's simply a tool that helps you define your top strengths. So I wanted to be the strength coach. So from coaching people, I got I started to get demands. Can you train my team? You've coached me. I felt the benefits of that specific tool that you're using, and I would like you to train the people in my company. And so from trainings, now we're also moving towards consulting because we're solving always bigger and bigger problems. So I think it's always a smart thing to start small and to grow as your demand grows. But if you have passion, that leads to expertise usually, and if you have expertise, people will be looking for that for help because not everyone can be an expert at everything, and it's always good to delegate certain tasks, mission,、uh, or strategies to people who are experts. And how do you help your your customers as an expert? What are the main points that they come to you for help? So people come to me because they often have a culture challenge. That can be a lot of things, and it's often a people challenge. When you're building a business, people are the number one most important factor in either growing your business or even scaling up your business. If you have motivated people within your company, then pretty much the sky is the limit.、Uh, 
but as you grow, it's difficult to have a company with a thousand, twenty thousand employees that all are on the same page at the same time. Specifically, when now we're looking at also work we need to do on different generations. So the gap of generation is is really important between the top management and maybe uh, people who are directly in contact with the customers or the frontline employees. There are lots and lots of problems related to people that managers probably didn't have to deal with before, maybe 20, 30 years ago, that they have to address right now. And it is difficult if you are into your numbers, your P&L and your shareholders discussions. It is difficult to also bring people at the forefront of, of your strategy. But it is also critical that you do that as a business. So what we do is we bring experience. We bring business acumen and passion when it comes to dealing with people in, in companies. In order to provide this service, you had to open your business. How did you do this? What were the main challenges? <laughs> so running a, a business in the, in China and opening a business is, is not exactly the same. Um, actually, opening a business is quite easy. <laughs> um, I believe that if you have the right tools, if you are surrounded with the right people, if you start with a little bit of money to do so, or if you have at least the skills I would say then the, the Chinese language skill or at least the time, then opening a business is really not a big challenge in China. I'm comparing to France, for instance, where it would take a lot more time. It would take a lot more of my focus and attention. Whereas here, it, sound, it seems to me that in the Chinese society, creating a business is, is really no big deal. And so it is very fast. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. I have been helped by uh, my accountant to deal with all the paperwork, for instance, and make sure everything is sorted out with the bank, um, with the, with the bureau. Um, but more than that is, is really kind of a very smooth process, I feel. You need to make sure that you're surrounded with the right people. So my accountant was recommended to me, um, because he was so good. And I think you need to really check the person that you're working with before you start any business. So would you say the administrative part is not so difficult if you have an accountant, then you just follow his or her steps, right? If you're surrounded with the right people, yes, you, you, you can then trust them uh, and things will go Uh, according to plan. Sit down with them and take the time to really understand what the rules are um, in China and how can you, what can you do to really respect those rules and facilitate the process. Other than that, it's very, very smooth and doable. What is difficult about running the business? Well, I think once you have your business license and, and you're ready to go and you can actually start your business, um, that's the moment where you're confronted to reality because before that you probably have made a business plan. Well, uh, I had a very uh, simple business plan. Um, before I started. Um, but the question is, is your business sustainable then? Um, because you can open a business, but if you don't run it well, your business is just not going to last. It's not going to be sustainable. Opening the business is easy. Running the business is really when the game is starting. And that's really the game we're playing, which is 
well, how can I grow my business to make it sustainable? And then how can I scale it? And how can I sustain it on the long term? And so that's when you start to be confronted with hiring the right people or working with the right clients, even finding the right clients and, and closing deals and executing properly so that people recommend you. And so I really believe if you're struggling with opening a business, you're probably going to be struggling afterwards as well. Because in China, the, the, the opening again is quite simple and straightforward, but the running is the most important in the end. You need to make sure that if you're hiring people, you're going to be able to pay their salaries at the end of the month. So what's the big challenge to be able to make payroll at the end of the month? The biggest challenge starts with yourself. Since I, I was a coach and I worked on strength with my clients, then I did that for my own business. So I really looked at my own strengths uh, to understand what is it, what are the cards that I can play in running a business that are really going to make me stand out. It is the question of how do I find more clients? How do I sell to more people? How do I sell at a higher value? Do I increase my prices? And so all those questions are very important, require time because you need to sit down and really think about why you're doing this business in the first place. What's your mission? What's the added value you bring on the market? Because there are so many competitors. These questions are all important. So who you are and how do you do things best? And then what do you stand for uh, in this business? And who do you work with? And how do you attract? So I think those three levels are really important when you when you start running a business. And you need to juggle with all of them at the same time. And you need to adapt a lot. China is very fast as well. So it's both something very positive. Because if you made a mistake, you can really go fast back on your feet. But it, calls, it can also go faster than you expect and faster than you can manage. And so that's when you really need to be catching up, catching up, catching up. And that game can be exhausting. I've signed contracts here in record time compared to maybe in Europe where things would go a lot slower. But on the other hand, I also have to be putting pressure maybe on, on, on my team or I have to put pressure on myself to make sure that we deliver at the standards that we have in my company. So I feel these are really interesting challenges as, a, as an entrepreneur that you work on. Since I was employed for so many years, more than 10 years before I started my own company, I'm expecting to receive money regularly. You know, you have a paycheck at the end of the month and you've been educated like this in in your entire life. And then suddenly payroll just depends on you and how much contracts or how many contracts you're able to sign every month. And so, of course, some months are great and you're uh, making very decent money and some months you're just not signing anything and no money comes in. I thought I was good at money and at managing my money. I needed to really rebalance everything and, and understand that the way I managed money was the mindset of an employee and not an employer anymore. Um, so I had to, to change that, that mindset uh, and become an employer. And so being able to put a lot of money aside and make sure that even in lower month I would be able to pay for people working for me and I would pay, be able to pay for all my all my expenses. Marian, you shared the challenges of a flex pet entrepreneur. So you went from an employment to opening your own business and then you shared how you have to sell and to keep your customers sustainable so you can run your business and pay payroll. So what about this is unique to flex pets and how can you as a flex pet differentiate on the market for your customers who come to you or come to a Chinese coach or Chinese strategy provider? 
I'm not sure it would apply to Flexpat specifically or Chinese versus Chinese, but more as an identity as a brand. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of your own brand, right? When you start, whether you're a Flexpat or a Chinese or whatever you are, basically, you need to really identify what are your pluses and why someone would work with you more than with the competitor that is maybe less expensive than you. I spend time with customers because I really want to understand their need. And from there, I can define whether I can work with them or not. If I know who I am and what I can bring in terms of value and a customer is telling me about something that really doesn't match what I do and, and even who I am, then there is no need for me to even try. I don't even try to sell anything to these kind of customers because I believe they would belong to uh, another person to sell to. As a flexpat, if you're if you're here in China and you wonder like how can I make a difference compared to uh, maybe a hundred other competitors, and you're gonna have other flexpat competing with you, you're gonna have Chinese competing with you. Often I hear maybe speaking Chinese is uh, is what I need to do. Learning Chinese takes a long time. If you really want to do that and and look at speaking Chinese as a competitive advantage, I'm really not sure. If you're in China, you have plenty of people who speak Chinese, and you have plenty of Chinese people who are super good in English and maybe even one other language uh, than their own, what is it that you can really bring? It's probably not going to be the Chinese language. But there is something about speaking Chinese that is important, which is you understand the mindset or you understand the culture or you understand a bit better the person you have in front of you. And I believe that that next level of speaking a language, which is the understanding of the behavior, the needs of the person that is in front of you, is actually really a lot more important than speaking the language. So I could speak in English with a Chinese customer, but if I understand their needs very well, then I am more relevant to them than someone who speaks their language, for instance, someone who would speak fluent Chinese, because I would be able to answer to those needs. So for me, this analysis, it takes time and it takes confidence for you to know who you really are and how you add value to that person. But that's when you understand the need of your clients that you can start to sell your assets. And that's where you can play on your difference and your added value, basically. Running the business like you just described, opening it, um, doing the sales, uh, taking the customers in, hiring the staff, making payroll, or being a foreigner, a flexpat in China and trying to deal with the Chinese administration and the Chinese way of doing business. What is more challenging for you in your daily life as an entrepreneur? When I started, I always thought that I would be nimble and, and able to adapt and be agile and, and learn and grow. But sometimes growth is really not comfortable. It's really not nice. And it feels, oh, it feels really bad. So just an example, yeah, a month where you don't make any money, that's really not comfortable. But if I don't have that, then how am I supposed to grow and make sure that this never happens again? How do I, how do I prevent that from happening? And that starts from me changing my habits, my way of thinking, my approach to my work, probably. And so I guess like for me, if I have to look back, I would probably tell myself also something around the lines of, Hey, it's going to be hard, <laughs> but uh, if you enjoy the uncom uncomfortable, uh, you will be able to make it. Because I think that's the biggest thing about entrepreneurs is you will always be facing things that are forcing you to outgrow the person you used to be yesterday. And it's a constant in our in our job. Working in China as a flexpat, opening a business in China, getting the business license, the visa for yourself, the visa for other flexpats that you might employ. What is a challenge which flexpats should really study? 
probably you've, you're leaving your own employment to start your own business, right? And so that's a big risk you're taking for something that you don't even know whether it works or not. When people ask me, I usually tell them, wait and check your product or your service first to see if anyone is buying it before you start any administrative steps. Because if you're doing all this and you really believe in your product or your service, you really believe in yourself and you don't really check with the market what people need or what people want from you, I have adapted my offering, I don't know, probably 15 times since I started. And, and, and that's not even enough. I'm, I'm always, always updating my, my offer. So check first with the market, hey, would you buy that? Actually, buy it. <laughs> buy it and show me that you would really buy it um, before I can start to look into everything around accountability and visas and like uh, the bureau and, and the business license. Because that's, that's work already that you're going to put in and efforts you're going to put in. But if in the end you, you start launching your business and you realize no one buys from you, um, then that's going to be very frustrating. And, and that's not going to be a good start that's going to propulse you forward. If you're really an entrepreneur, that's still okay because I'm sure you'll find a way to pivot or to change your offering or to do something else. But there are things in your creation of business that are already asking you to define what kind of service or what kind of product you will be selling. They will be asking you to select categories, whether you're in the food industry or you're in cosmetics or you're in sports. So you already need to have an idea before you start a business of what it is that you will be providing. And before you do that, before you select all this, you need to have checked with the market whether what you're doing or what you will be doing actually makes sense to your customers. To all Flagstaff listening, I gave Marion so many chances to say that it's so difficult to open a business in China. It's so difficult to get the visa. It's so difficult to pay taxes, to hire <laughs> other people. And what she says is, it's all a piece of cake. The only difficult thing is actually to find your customer who pays your bills. And I think this is quite interesting to learn today, that if you want to be an entrepreneur in China as a flexpat, you're basically an entrepreneur. You're not a flexpat entrepreneur. You're just an entrepreneur. So you work in China and you pay your tax in China. You get a visa, but that's that's paperwork and you will get it done. If, if it doesn't work, then there's no point. Marion, do you have anything to add? When you're an entrepreneur, there is this idea that nothing is impossible. So... You're right. Uh, the administrative part is maybe a bit boring to, to some of us. Um, it's a must. You need to go through that to, to be legal and, and legit in China. Uh, but the fun really starts afterwards. So I welcome anyone who is ready for the fun to, to start their own business and join us in the entrepreneurship business. <laughs> Marian, thank you so much for coming on the China Flexpert podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the China Flexpad community. If you would like to explore more useful episodes like this one, please visit our website chinaflexpad.com, give us a like and follow on LinkedIn, and we would love to hear from you.